This is Amateur Logic, episode 74 for January 15th, 2015. Happy New Year! This episode of Amateur Logic was brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com, and by ICOM and the new IC2730A dual band analog only mobile with a great interface and enhanced radio features. Hi, and welcome to AmateurLogic.tv, episode 74. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And good day from down under, and happy new year. Happy new year. You know, we're almost at 75 episodes, Tommy. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, that, that's a milestone. That's a milestone I'm, for I'm us. That. Yeah, let's, let's have one there. Um, I don't have a drink, but what the hell. <laughs> there you go, Peter. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Right there. Oops, you cut it off. <laughs> well, I hope everyone had good holidays. I did. How about yeah, you, Tommy? Yeah, it was great. I was actually off work for almost two full weeks. Two weeks, wow. Yeah, yeah. what about you, Peter? Uh, actually, I had a, um, I was a bit sick over the Christmas break, unfortunately, but uh, uh, I did on January the 1st go to Luna Park here in Melbourne with my family, and uh, we had a great time, and that's a bit like uh, your Coney Island in New York. Oh, okay. Oh, that sounds like that probably cool. fun. Yeah, it does. Yeah. We just stayed at home mostly. Um, all my kids and grandkids were here, and uh, we, we had a good time. Yeah. Really good time. Yeah. So that's always fun have a family visit. Yeah, I tried to do a few projects too, and I got I got a few accomplished, but the main one I wanted to do I didn't get finished this time around. Yes, I, I you know I had this big plan of things that I was going to do, but the weather was really kind of bad. Yeah, here and I, I just didn't get out and do much, not nearly the things that I wanted to do anyway. Yeah. Speaking of bad weather, what not last night? The night before it was fourteen degrees here. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Now, the guys up north are laughing at us because I guess that would be a warm day to some of them. Yeah, it was probably minus 14 up there for some of those. Yeah. Yeah, We had one day over the um, the last couple of weeks which hit uh, 41 degrees Celsius, which is, I think, over 100 degrees Fahrenheit in your terminology. Wow, that's where all the warm weather went. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pretty hot. Pretty hot indeed. Wow. Well, we got a good show lined up tonight. Uh, several things going on here. Uh, first, we'll tell you that we've got a chat room going on. For those of you that are watching live, you can go to amateurlogic.tv slash chat and see the chat room there. There's also one going on on Ustream where we're streaming tonight. Uh, we can't watch both of them, though, so we're, we're watching the one that you're seeing right here. Uh, if it's after the fact and you're watching the recording, of course, the chat room's gone now. Yeah, but but next month when we shoot again, um, you should be able to find us at the same address. So we do that every every month when we shoot, we stream it live. Yeah, uh, yeah, we always try to do that. And uh, well, we we have like I said a few interesting things coming up, a little different than maybe some of the things we had covered before. And uh, let's just get on into the emails. You know, we haven't done emails in the. Oh, what, a couple of months, I guess. We didn't do yeah. them last month. Yeah, we had too, way too much content. Yeah, so Peter, what's first on your stack? And it's actually the one that says email one this time. <laughs> yes, uh, I think you've only sent me one email, so it's not hard to find. I and sent you... An email here, an email here from Mike, uh, and he says, uh, really enjoyed your presentation on HF propagation. Just watched it. I know George pays you well for your services. Uh, a little smiley there. But since money isn't everything in life, I thought you might like to learn a fan enjoyed and learned from your production, 73s from Mike. And, uh, yeah, look, I'm really glad that, um, yeah, somebody's getting some benefit out of that uh, uh, segment that I put together, uh, Mike. Um, One thing that always worries me a little bit is that uh, I I would never want to uh, 
produce something that wasn't correct. So that's why I went back to the ARRL handbook and basically everything you saw in that segment came out of the ARRL handbook because it's a reliable source of information. Yeah, cool. Tommy, what have you got over there? I've got one from my friend Elliot, K1MF. Um, he's emailed it several times in the past. Yeah. He says, I finally received my DV Mega from Gigaparts and was watching episode 69 in your setup procedure. For whatever reason, the link you had from Western D-Star with the extension RAR wouldn't burn to the SD card and the other files wouldn't burn. Ended up with a file from Maryland D-Star Group. Keep up all the good work. All your episodes are saved on disk on my end. Also, George should get you on Ham Nation with him. I was on there one time, but I slept through it. You, when we you, did the spoof that's right. uh, yeah. for, for uh, Bill Pastor's uh, birthday. I the think, one with Dr. Snipe on there. That, that's the one. <laughs> and then, and then he, I, I haven't I haven't heard from him in a while. I wonder how he's going. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, he goes on to, to wish all of us a, a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's. This obviously came in the first of December, but uh, I, I talked to Elliot and we got it straightened out. But I've had several people email about that. That image from Western D Star is compressed, and it's an RAR file, which is a sort of like a zip file, and you'll need to get a utility to download and. Uh, or yeah. download a utility and extract it. And uh, WinRAR, W-I-N-R-A-R, is the typical one to use for that. Yeah. And WinZip yeah. will even extract those. Yeah, and 7-Zip will do it as well. Yeah, 7-Zip. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But that's the reason. I use 7-Zip myself. It's very good. Yeah. yeah, it's a good program. Well, Tommy, what did you bring us this time around video-wise? Well, I uh, I found a... I kind of switched from a iPhone to an Android and was playing around, and I ran across the utility... Well, here, let's take a look at it. Okay. It's been a while since we did anything for D-Star here on the show. Recently, I switched from an iPhone to an Android phone. And in the process, I was looking to see what hand programs are out there naturally. And I ran across one, IRCDDB Remote. It's written by David, PD7L. It's a great application. He actually emailed me about it maybe a year, maybe even two years ago. I, I don't remember, but it's been a good while. That sort of slipped my mind. But anyway, I found it and put it on my little t Android tablet here just to play around with. And I think you're going to like it. If you're a D-Star user, it's going to make your life easier when you're on the network where your DV Mega is or whatever. It, it actually interfaces with the Jonathan Naylor software that everybody runs their DVAP on, their DV Mega, in my case. Uh, I use it on my DV Mega pretty much every day. And anyway, you can set it up and put a password in and get the port, and this thing will communicate with it, and you can use it to con connect or disconnect to re reflectors, repeaters, and so forth. It's very handy. I'm pretty excited about it. So let, let's take a look at it. You can download it from the Google Play Store or the iOS App Store. Um, again, I, I thought it was only an Android version. I didn't know that he had released the iOS one. But anyway, it looks and works pretty much the same. Interface is just a tad different, but you'll get the gist of it. We're going to have to do just a little bit of initial setup on the IRCDDB software just so we can know what port to connect and set the password and so forth. So let's do that. I'm using the Western D-Star image, so I'm just going to run the gateway config program. And we'll go over here to all the way to remote. There we go. So we want to make sure remote is enabled. We want to set a password. I've already done mine. And you want to set a port. And I changed from the default port to 19,000 just so I could be a little bit different and that's all we've got to do so when you restart the software it'll use those settings so now let's go over here and set the same thing up in the IRC DDB remote uh, application so we'll run it <clears throat> and we're going to need to go over here to the corner and do settings and we're going to have to set the address and mine, my network here will use the name of my uh, Raspberry Pi that's running my DV Mega. So I'm just going to put in DV Mega, which is what I called it. 
and we're going to set the server port. It defaults to 10,022, but mine was 19,000. And we're going to need to set our password. And, and for this demonstration, I'm going to turn on keep screen on just so it'll stay on while we're while we're showing. Okay, you can see we're connected. It shows in 5Z and OB up at the top and we're not linked. So the beauty of this thing is we can connect to DCS reflectors, XRF or or just the REF reflectors. So I'm going to go ahead to REF. I'm going to pick uh, 30 char uh, yeah 30 Charlie 30 and Charlie and if I touch the little arrow to the right got my handy talkie here already set up so I'm going to touch the arrow I didn't really have to do anything to the radio to get it to connect. This is a, a great feature. I've, something I actually asked for for the uh, DVAP, but I, anyway, it didn't happen with the standard software, but we can't always do it with this one, which is a nice alternative. If you look at the screen over here, you can see that that is connected to Reflector 30 Charlie. To disconnect, all we have to do is touch disconnect right here. And you can see that what takes place. It's been really good about staying current with what's running on my DV Mega here. So I'm going to connect the one the old way. Go to your call. I'll just pick. Uh, I'll just pick one Charlie and connect to it. In this instance, it doesn't know to refresh itself. So if, if you've been doing that, it's not a bad idea just to touch the refresh button up here at the top. And, and you can see that I'm linked to one Charlie. You can use this to disconnect it. Now we've got a, a quick list over here to the right that all we've got to do is touch them and it'll connect to them. If you want to add to it, just pick what you want right here and hold down the arrow and it'll get put over to the right. If you want to remove one, just hold down on it and it'll ask if you want to delete it. So you can maintain a list of your most frequently used ones on the right. At the bottom here, you can just type in what you want to connect to. And for the screen doesn't scale well for this size of tablet. And if I rotate it, it, it stays you know, in this landscape orientation here, so it really can't, that's not very usable on here. It is usable on the iOS version, um, but at any rate, it, I don't know that I would use it much, but, and if I had a, any type of a gripe at all, I guess that would probably be the only one, but it's a free application and, and I can't really have any room to complain about it. So it's, it's very functional, very useful, and I've just been having a great time with it since I discovered it. You, you actually can type that in. F zero one two. And if I pick done, you can see that it's in. And then you can pick the module. So you can you can actually use it. It's you just can't see what it's doing on this size tablet. If you have a larger tablet, I'm sure it, the uh, screen accommodates that just fine. If you're using a more powerful radio, it's got a regular hotspot or a repeater running the IRC DDB software from Jonathan, you can use it outside of your local network by port forwarding the port that you set up in the config program, as we saw a little while ago, and, and use that from wherever. I, I don't know about security. I, I imagine it's fairly secure. Um, it's That's not a common uh port that's open and it's not a common application running behind it and plus it's only running basically on the the raspberry pi so i think it, 
basically uh, security through obscurity may come into play there. So use that at your own risk at any rate. Standard disclaimer applies. Thanks to David PD7L for creating it. It's a great little app and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. 73. Pretty nice looking app, Tommy. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That, like I said, that guy had emailed me about it uh, quite a while back and I didn't have any way to run it and that sort of slipped my mind and kind of mm -hmm. stumbled across it again. But it, it makes D-Star like super easy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have an Android device, so I don't guess it, I can. It doesn't matter. You you didn't watch the <laughs> No, because I was out trying to <laughs> take care of some housekeeping. There's one. an iOS version now, now, too. It just came out in November. Okay. Well, let's get on back into the emails here. And uh, I've got one that, uh, wow, it also came from Elliot. I didn't notice that when I was getting these Elliot's together. been busy. He has been busy. <laughs> he says, I see you had a major award on the last episode, the leg lamp. Uh, yeah, we did. Um, you know, it, he says it's a major award. It took a lot of mind power to get that. And uh, he has a larger leg lamp that he puts in his front room window that, uh, believe it or not, if he doesn't have it up by Thanksgiving every year, uh, some of the neighbors come over and start knocking on the door and wondering where it is. You know, Tommy, I really want one of those leg lamps for my window. Yeah, I'd, st I'd like to have one, too. I'd put it in that window in a heartbeat. I would, too, man. I may leave it up all year. Hey. It's pretty classic. It, it is, yeah. <laughs> Takes a lot of mind power. <laughs> what have you got on your email stack over there? <laughs> well, I got one more. You got one from Chip, K9MIT. He says, hi, George and Tommy. Just FYI, I thought you might get a kick out of this webpage, RadioShackCatalogs.com. I didn't know if you were aware of it or not, but you can look through years of old Radio Shack catalogs, both product line and computer specific. At the bottom of the webpage, there's a link to an Allied slash Knight catalog as well. A real trip down memory lane, especially the Allied catalogs with amateur rigs and other items. I spent hours with these catalogs in the 60s and 70s, as did a lot of hams, I'm sure. 73's chip. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty cool, man. All those old catalogs yeah. just bring back a lot of memories. Yeah, I went back and looked at some of them. You know, I used to save every year, you know, that come out with a new catalog. I saved all the old ones, and I had them, you know, on my uh, bookshelf there, and I would go back and look at some of the stuff, because Radio Shack really had some some good products and things that interest me in the past. Oh, yeah. It, it was an awesome place, man. I spent hours and hours as a kid in there. Mm -hmm. You know, I worked in a, a Radio Shack dealer store for about five years. Well, Jimmy and, and I both worked there. Yeah. And it was uh, a great time. We sold more than just Radio Shack. We had a lot of other brands, mm -hmm. too. But, you know, they, they always had some some things in there that you wanted and some things that you needed. Where, And I might as well not beat a dead horse, but we know that's not really the case much anymore. Yeah. Times are changing. Yeah. Well, Peter, what's your segment for this month? Uh, well, what a perfect lead-in. Uh, you're talking about uh, the great products that Radio Shack uh, used to produce. Um, well, I'm actually going to review two of them. It's a communications receiver shootout between two classic Radio Shack radios. A smackdown. A smackdown. A smackdown. Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. This month, a communications receiver shootout between two radios that I own. Now, from the early 1960s through to the mid-1990s, Candy Corporation, otherwise known as Radio Shack, produced a series of communication receivers under the realistic brand name. They also featured a DX prefix. Now, I've got two of those radios here, the realistic DX302 and the realistic DX394. Now, in my teenage years, I actually owned a realistic DX302, I lived up in the country, there wasn't much interference, and I got many, many hours of listening pleasure listening to overseas radio stations uh, on my DX302. In fact, it's probably one of the reasons that I later on became a ham radio operator. However, uh, my realistic DX302 uh, sort of blew up, or rather one of the chips in the radio blew up, possibly due to a small lightning strike, and in those days getting replacement parts was not so easy. So uh, it wasn't until many, many years later that I actually bought a replacement uh, Realistic DX302 on eBay. 
Uh, it was second hand, but uh, it was uh, a good price, so I was happy to actually get another one of these radios. Now this is an analog radio, even though it's actually got a digital readout. So keep that in mind. It's the whole of the insides is uh, analog, but it had this modern convenience of being able to tell you what frequency you were on. That radio was produced in the early 80s. The realistic DX394, by contrast, was produced in the mid-1990s. Now, this is a fully digital radio, so uh, it, uh, it is a lot more stable than the realistic DX302 and actually has a lot more in the way of digital features, like, for example, a clock. Anyway, let's now have a look at the two radios in a little more detail. We'll start with the DX302. The first point is that it's an impressively presented radio and an attractive piece of equipment to have on your shelf. On the left, we have a pre-selector, a band switch for the pre-selector, an attenuation switch, a light switch including battery test, a selectivity switch, a BFO adjustment, a meter, a digital readout, a tuning dial, and around the tuning dial, a fine tuning ring. On the right is an RF gain control, a volume control, and a switch to switch between lower sideband, upper sideband, and AM. There's also a headphone socket and a speaker. On the side is a carry handle. Here's the rear of the DX302. As you can see, there's a battery compartment here for eight C-sized batteries. There's also a speaker socket, a key socket, a tape-out socket, a 12-volt power socket for portable operation, a fuse, a 50-ohm connector, and connectors for a high-impedance antenna, ground connections, and mute. Let's now look at the DX394. On the front panel, we have a small headphone socket, a volume control, an RF gain control, a mode switch, and a fine-tune control. The mode switch switches between AM, lower sideband, upper sideband, and two CW modes. In the middle, we have a relatively small tuning knob, which is quite lightweight, and above that, an LCD panel for display of the frequency, clock, and other information. On the right, we have a numeric keypad and a range of clock and band switching buttons. There's no carry handle or battery compartment with the DX394, but on the other hand, the radio is much smaller and lighter than the DX302. I'd like to talk now a little bit about some of the known faults of these two radios. We'll start with the DX302. Uh, it, being a, an analogue radio, has a tendency to drift in frequency a little bit. Now, once you've been running the radio for a while and it's warmed up, it'll tend to be a bit more stable. But don't be surprised if you've just started up the radio and tuned on to a particular station, and then over time it starts to drift a little bit off frequency. Best to turn the radio on, warm it up for a while before you actually use it. The DX394, by contrast, is much more stable. It's a digital radio. However, when you're tuning around the bands, uh, have a listen to this. Now, turn the RF gain right down, and there's a bit of noise that happens when you're actually tuning around, which I call chugging. Now, I believe that there are modifications that can be made that can actually repair this. If you Google the name of the radio and mods or modifications, you should be able to find them. Uh, but it's a known fault with the radio. Now, here's something quite peculiar. 
I listened to a number of radio stations using the DX302 and then the DX394. After careful consideration, I came to the conclusion that the audio coming out of the 302 was nicer. It seemed to have a broader frequency range and a little less distortion. However, when I fed the audio into Audacity and then looked at the frequency response curves, what I found was that, in fact, the DX394 has got a lot more mid-range. In other words, when I looked at the shape of the frequency curve, there was uh, much more output in the range 3 kHz to 7 kHz for the 394 than for the 302. So I guess at the end of the day, it's just a matter of personal taste. For me, I, I just found the DX302 just gave a nicer, clearer sound. It's time now for the final verdict. Which of these two radios do you think will win out? Well, it kind of depends. If I was listening to a digital application where I had to be exactly on frequency, shall we say uh JT65 or WSPR, I would use my uh, realistic DX394 because with its modern digital circuitry, I know it will stay exactly on frequency. However, for listenability, for sound quality, and uh, also just as an attractive piece of furniture, I think the realistic DX302 wins out in the end. It doesn't have quite all the features of the 394, but it looks very attractive sitting up on a shelf, and the sound is very, very pleasant. So uh, for me, overall, the Realistic 302 is the way to go. Now, having said that, um, there are a number of modifications that can be made to either radio, and if you Google the name of the radio and either mod or modifications, uh, you should be able to find some details on the internet about those. But I'm sure that no matter which radio you buy, be it the 394, the 302, or some other radio, uh, these radios will certainly give you many, many hours of listening pleasure. Peter, that, that was pretty interesting. I've got one of these right here. This is, uh, ah. what is this, a DX398, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, that must have been a model just after. Um, yeah. I, I know that in the uh, 80s and perhaps early 90s, there was a movement away from sort of uh, desktop radios to more portable operation, like the mm -hmm. Sony ICF 2001. And, uh, and that probably reflects that trend, the, that radio that you've got there. I haven't seen that model before. I think I also owned, it might have been a DX200 uh, at, at one point as well, which was an old purely analog radio with no digital uh, readout at, at, at all. But, um, you know, for me, making that segment was a trip down memory lane. And um, uh, uh, as you probably saw there, I absolutely love going on to shortwave radio and tuning in the broadcasts of communist countries because I just find them so, well, to put it simply, bizarre. It's uh, really quite uh, different. Yeah. The, I had the uh, one of the ones you're talking about. I think that was a th DX392. It was in the same form factor as the one George has here. But it was mm -hmm. probably about four times the size. Had a cassette recorder on the front of it. Wow. And then I had a D, uh, DX160. I mean, I believe it had tubes in it. Wow. And I wish I still had that. But Yeah, off air beforehand, we were talking a bit about an idea that I had, which was basically that you could, uh, using a an Arduino and a Raspberry Pi, uh, you know, uh, be able to pull out the frequency out of the radio and actually go to a website called shortwave.info and actually immediately bring down what's being broadcast at that point in time. Now, I think it would be a really good idea for Radio Shack, if they want to um, create a new saleable product, to actually go out and create a new communications receiver that uses the best of both the current technology and also the internet to provide a, uh, a better shortwave listing experience. To the best of my knowledge, they haven't released any communication receiver models of late. Yeah, and, and you know they don't—they uh, don't really manufacture any of this stuff themselves anymore. I mean, this one—I've forgotten the brand name of it. This is this is a, another popular brand of uh, shortwave receiver right here, 
that actually made this, and they just stamped realistic on a, it. I think that's a hmm. Grundig or something. No, it's like not that. a Grundig. It's um, it's one of the others, and I can't remember which one it is well, right now. Our buddy Mike VE3MIC, who was with us last month, and he's in the chat room here. He said it looks like a Sangean, and yes, that's what it is. It's a Sangean. Okay. Yeah, a very very nice little radio though. Right now, let's uh, have a message from some of the people who help make amateur logic possible. When it comes to operating HF ham bands, you can run anywhere from a few milliwatts to 1500 watts maximum. However, when noisy conditions and crowded bands occur, you may have to sit out and wait till things improve. Not everyone can afford a 1500 watt amplifier, but did you know that the first 600 watts often makes a difference between getting through and being buried in the noise? Ameritron's AL811 and AL811H linear amplifiers give you plenty of power to bust through QRM and crowded band conditions. These quiet compact desktop linears will slide right into your station. They conveniently plug into the nearest 120 volt AC outlet or change the transformer taps and operate from 240 volts. There are three tough 811A transmitting tubes in the AL811 for 600 watts while the AL811H adds a fourth tube for 800 watts. Both models feature an extra heavy-duty power supply, all HF band coverage, pressurized ventilation, tuned input, dual illuminated meters, adjustable ALC, and more. The AL811 gives you 600 watts PEP output. That's nearly two full S units over your barefoot rig. Going from 600 watts to the full legal limit of 1500 watts gives you less than one S unit increase. Is that fraction of an S unit worth three or four times the money you'd spend? Maybe that's why more hams use Ameritron AL811 and AL811H amplifiers than any other amplifier in the world. And they're built right here in the USA. If you're ready to step up from a barefoot ham rig and enjoy more contacts and less repeating your call sign for those who can't hear you through the noise, then you owe it to yourself to take a look at Ameritron's AL811 and AL811H linear amplifiers. Visit Ameritron.com today and learn more. That looked like my amplifier, Tommy. It did. It looked a lot like it. I think it was. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Actually, just a little aside here. I just spoke with Richard uh, from MFJ and, you know, the MFJ companies mm-hmm. last week, and they're going to be sending over one of their new solid-state amplifiers that uh, is quite unique, and, and we're going to get to look at it next month, play with it a little bit. Oh, nice. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, not going to get to keep it, but, hey, we'll we'll get to play with it. Yeah. I still have that BB gun over there, though. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't work on Ray, but. Yeah, I see, yeah, I see that big Ray he had over here is gone. Yeah, yeah, couldn't hang on to it. Peter, what's your final email there? My final email uh, is from David Gerson, president of Global Space Balloon Challenge at Stanford University. Uh, And uh, actually under that, he's got Propulsion Engineering SpaceX, which I'm I'm rather impressed about. So he must be one of these boffins that are actually uh, trying to do the vertical takeoff and landings at the moment, Um, which, by the way, 8.30 tonight, uh, for those in the chat room, uh, that's Australian time, Um, they'll be actually trying to land the the latest SpaceX rocket or the first stage of it uh, vertically on a barge after liftoff. So that will be awesome to watch live. So keep an eye out for it. Go to the SpaceX website for further details. Now, uh, anyway, David uh, Gerson uh, mentions uh, something about the Global Space uh, Balloon, sorry, Global Space Balloon Challenge, which is a student-run project based out of Stanford University, University of Michigan, and Massachusetts Institute of Technology. The purpose of the project is to enrich science and technology education for students around the world, promote international science and engineering collaboration, and inspire participants to advance the field of high-altitude ballooning. And uh, he had apparently had 100 teams from 25 countries last year. And he says, we would love for you to join us and share your experiences and excitement with the world. Head to our website for further information. And um, I'll, uh, we'll put up the, uh, the website address for people to go have a, a look. Thanks, David. Um, I'll, I'll see whether uh, I can participate or not in that. But uh, certainly very, uh, very good to see uh, lots of people uh, getting involved in ballooning. Awesome. Yeah. Balloonchallenge.org. Yeah, that's cool. How's your balloon project coming along, Peter? 
Well, what's happened is I've decided to switch from HF across to two meters. And uh, I've just received in the mail a little, uh, what would you call it, a little module uh, that's uh, got uh, integrated circuits in it. And I'm, I'm still in the process of working out uh, how that works. But essentially, uh, it will allow me to feed digital data to the module, which will then transmit it out on an APRS frequency. So using a little bit of uh, 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 programming, which is available on the internet, I should be able to send APRS, APRS packets on two meters at about 10 to 20 milliwatts. And so uh, I think that will give me a better, a more receivable signal uh, rather than what I was using before. I actually tested my HF transmitter, but found that it wasn't being received terribly well, mainly because the antenna would need to be really, really long to work efficiently. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Well, I've got an email here, and uh, this comes from Jeremy, uh, K4NXX in Louisville, Kentucky. And he says, Hi, George, I have a quick question. I want to EQ my transmit audio for my new ICOM 7230 with the Behringer 802 mixer. I'm not sure how to do this with the PR20 mic, and I'm not sure which cables I need to get for this, including a push-to-talk switch. I have an ICOM IC2100H, and I think they both use the RJ45 modular connector with the same pin layout. Any information would be great. Well, Jeremy, uh, sorry to report there, but I'm not sure that is that is going to be a real good solution. You can put a, an external mic and mixer like this on a VHF and UHF radio, but most of the time, due to the pre-emphasis that's in you know in those mm -hmm. rigs, you're just not going to get the good audio quality in the bottom end that you're looking for. Uh, the pre-emphasis is so steep on on VHF and UHF FM radios that uh, most of the time adding external mics and mixtures just you they really don't sound as good as the original mic that came with it. Yeah, it's been been my experience in the past. But uh, and I'm not sure which cables you would need to use for that. But um, basically, I think you'd have to make it yourself. I did a little searching and I couldn't find any already made. So you'd have to take a uh, cable and put your RJ45 connector and, and wire it on out to, uh, you know, to what you need there. So th there's no real good solution for that. I'm afraid if you did do it, you might not get the result you wanted. But if you did it anyway, let us know how it turned out. Would would be interested to hear about that. Yeah, definitely would. Yeah. Well, I did something a little different this time around, Tommy. You know, sometimes I just like to kind of sit around and and daydream and think of what kind of projects that I can come up with. Yeah. And, and sometimes I need a little inspiration to do that with. You know, here at W5JDX Laboratories, we like to build stuff. And sometimes we need a little bit of inspiration. That's when I'm thankful that we get catalogs like this one from allelectronics.com. They have lots of good things in there. A lot of it surplus. A lot of it really good prices. And it gives me some ideas for things that I want to build. And plus gives me a cheap source for some parts on things that I already know I want to build. Because just like many of you, my resources are limited for building. Just visiting the front page of allelectronics.com gives you an idea of what you're in for. All kinds of electronic components and surplus items. Now, I'm kind of partial to the paper version of the catalog because I can look at it anywhere I want to then. Right there on the cover is an interesting item an MP3 player for $2.85. It requires a micro SD card of one gigabyte or greater, but just think about what you could do with something like that. Uh, a high-quality repeater idea, just all kinds of things. If we scroll on into the catalog a little bit, you'll notice right here there's two different flash assemblies like would be in a camera, one for 12 volts and another one for 1.5 volts. What could you do with one of those? They've got a lot of different switches here and some pretty good prices on these. You know, you'll see these at HamFest for similar prices. Now, here's some right here that caught my eye, and I'm not sure why, but these jumbo push buttons or these game switches just seem interesting to me. I'm not sure why, but it seems like you could build something pretty nice with those. This one right down here, the red push button with a metal bezel, $1.75 each. 
I bought some of these that look just like this at a ham fest recently, and I was really disappointed with them. So, you know, you need to keep an eye out on what it is you are buying. Some things may be excellent quality, others maybe not so much. Starting on page 20, you'll see a wide variety of cooling fans for your different projects and heat sinks. You know, you need heat sinks every now and then. I, I usually build them, but some of these prices are pretty good right here, so I might ought to stock up on a few. Relays. Now, they have a good assortment of relays here, and the prices are not very bad. This 12-volt, four-pole double throw here. You can get these for $4.25 each. Now, that's an excellent deal on those. They've also got the tiny ones you need for PC board projects. On page 40 here, they start up with the different cables and connectors that they have. Some of these have a pretty good price on them. Others, you know, I, I just really don't know about. I'd have to go do some checking to see how the price is compared. But you want to be careful when you're looking at, say, these cheap audio connectors. Some of them are good. Some of them, uh, maybe not. If you look at the brands like Amphenol or Switchcraft, then you know those are good connectors. And their prices look pretty decent on those. These coaxial power connectors are pretty nice right here. They give you screw terminals on them so that you can easily connect your wires. Of course, they've got the solder on type as well. Starting over on pages 46 and 47, you see they've got these single row headers here. They've got the male as well as the females on here, the sockets. And these are what you need for your Raspberry Pi or Arduino projects. And you can find them here a lot cheaper than, say, you would at some of the other sources. Beginning on page 50 is the semiconductor section. And they've got IC sockets and some of the more popular ICs and transistors and diodes. You know, just the whole assortment of semiconductors there. And the prices on these uh, look pretty reasonable to me. So uh, this is the type of place where I stock up on these items. Of course, they've got a lot of different ferrite beads and toroids here. And you might want to check on those. Could get some good prices there. But just remember that the materials these are made out of affect the frequency range. And fortunately, they've listed the frequency ranges here for a lot of these for you. Some pretty fair deals here on power transformers. And, of course, they got Variax. I don't think those prices are outstanding, but they're reasonable. And then they've got a lot of meters here. Now, the digital panel meters they've got, those are neat little meters, and I've got some like that, but I think I paid a little less than this for them at a ham fest. They do have a lot of analog meters here, and the prices on those look very good. On page 61 here, they've got some LCD displays. These look like excellent prices on them. Uh, some of them are, are limited, like this 8-character by 2 lines, but that might be good enough for some projects, and they're only $3.25 each. But they do have the larger ones, like 16 characters by 4 or 20 by 2. Here's a 24-character by 1 line. And they've also got a 128 by uh, 64 dot graphic LCD display for $9. That's not very bad. And here's an oldie but a goodie, and I actually have something similar to this. A 16-character vacuum fluorescent display. Remember these? They're the ones that kind of glow with a cyan color. $3 a piece. There's a good assortment of potentiometers here and very good prices on them. I would look at them carefully if you're needing some pots. Could be they've got just what you need. As a matter of fact, I've used a lot of these right here before. This is a dual 10K ohm audio taper pot, a buck each. Now, that's an excellent deal for an audio pot, and 10K is a pretty common value. They've got knobs, too. Uh, prices are okay on those. I didn't see anything that I thought was outstanding there, but you know, I haven't checked knob prices recently. Of course, all the resistors and capacitors, those look to be pretty typical. Speakers, but uh, nothing really there that I thought was that great. Instrument cases, uh, some good and various sizes of cases there. Just kind of a hodgepodge of different ones. And some PC board stuff. And some strip board and perf board here with reasonable prices on them. As well as a solderless breadboard that we like to use for experimenting with. 
and they've got soldering irons. But, you know, I'm not familiar with this Zytronic brand. It may be good. I don't know. But $115 for that one, and I'm not sure what it is. And then $34 for this one. You know, I'll probably just stick with my Weller WLC 100 on that. And they've also got some rosin core solder here that the price looks pretty good on, but it doesn't have a brand name, so I think I'm going to stay away from that. They've got an assortment of tools and test leads here that look to be at reasonable prices. And they've got some motor assemblies as well. Now, this kind of caught my fancy right here. Here's a right-angle gearhead motor. I'm not sure what I would do with that. But these right here, for some reason, I really like. And these are right-angle gear motor drives with a worm drive for automobile windows. They've got a couple of different styles of those. And they're not very high, uh, $17.95, $14.95. Surely there's got to be something I could do with those. It just hasn't come to me yet, so I haven't ordered them. Uh, reasonable prices on servos as well. And, you know, these are what you use in your Arduino and Raspberry Pi projects, variety of stepper motors. And some of these are used, and they've really got exceptional prices. And here's another thing that I don't know, for some reason I want to play with it, and that's these linear actuators for automobile door locks. They've got a couple of different styles there. I mean, there's just got to be something good I could do with these, and I just don't know what it is yet. And they've got a section here of Arduino products, and the prices on these look pretty reasonable. An Arduino Uno Revision 3 for $19.95. I, I think that's pretty much the standard price on those. And they've got the Pro Minis uh, Logic Level Converters. They've got the AT Mega 328 chip right here with the bootloader on it for $5.50 each. I think that's pretty much the going price on that. And they've got some PC board making materials here. They've got the rub-on transfers that I've used before. One pack for eleven ninety-five. I haven't used these lately. They do fare. You will need to touch it up with a Sharpie a little bit. And here's something that I want to try that I have not. It's a tinnit, bright tin plating. You know, after you burn a PC board, you can use this stuff here to tin it and make it nice and shiny. And they've got a section with different kits here. Uh, a lot of little bitty things that you might want to put together, especially if you're just starting in electronics. But that's it. The All Electronics catalog is worth taking a look at. So go to allelectronics.com and give the catalog a check out or just peruse around the website. You're bound to have some fun just looking around and thinking about what you could do. So that's pretty cool stuff in that catalog. I, I guess, like you say, you got to be real careful about getting... Uh, if yeah. it's real cheap, I'm a little bit worried it's going to be too cheap, but uh, some pretty neat stuff. Yeah, you know, they have a lot of surplus stuff and... Years ago, I mean, oh boy, it must have been 25 years ago, I bought the guts of a console stereo from them for $10. I need a little stereo to go out in my shop, and there was no case on it. It was just, you know, like a PC board and had the dial on it and a string where you could mm -hmm. tune the FM radio. I just screwed it to the wall, and that was my <laughs> stereo out in the shop, but it worked okay. Yeah. Know? Ten bucks. Yeah. We we by the way we actually have a couple of surplus shops here in Australia, which are really good. And uh, I just love going down there and uh, well, at least the one in Melbourne. And uh, you know, just looking um, at, at just the junk that they've got. Like uh, recently at this shop I went to, they actually had a whole lot of LCD screens, little ones going for next to nothing, um, mm. plus a whole range of other uh, components and uh, stuff that had been picked up surplus. So. Those little LCD screens can be handy. Yeah, that that pretty good prices on those too. I, I looked over them. I didn't check in depth to see how easy they would be to interface to an Arduino or anything like that. But you know, uh, check your surplus catalog. There's a lot of different companies out there that do that kind of stuff. There's Brigar Electronics, um, uh, Fair Radio Sales. Boy, I, I can't think of the others right now, but there's a, there's a number of them. It, it kind of made me think about a Mendelssohn's catalog. You remember oh Mendelssohn's? Yeah. It's out of date. That would be nice if they a had a A big catalog. tent full yeah. of just all kind of stuff. But, yeah. Uh, uh, Marlon P. Jones Enterprises. There, there's a lot of them out there. I like to just look through those catalogs and just kind of dream about things I might build. And every now and then I'll order something out of there and 
yeah. and, and try mm -hmm. to build something. You know? cool. It doesn't always work, but, you know, hey, it was an idea. It's inspiration. And, and Tommy, you might pick up a, an, an offloaded stock of PL259s. Hey, now you're talking. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we got a bag of gold ones we bought last year that we still haven't taken out of the bag yet. Looking for a new rig that combines time-honored analog functionality with the ability to give you safe, hands-free operation via optional Bluetooth module? Check out ICOM's new IC2730A. This dual-band analog-only mobile has a great interface and enhanced radio features for your next 2-meter, 70-centimeter adventure. ICOM's IC2730A is built military tough and has a large high-contrast display, approximately one-and-a-half times larger than its predecessor, the IC2720A. It's got a white backlight for easy readability and independent band controls. Practical 2730A features include wide frequency coverage, VHF, VHF, and UHF, UHF simultaneous receive capability, 50 watts output power on VHF and UHF bands, and 1,052 memory channels. You can combine the IC2730's classic analog functionality with optional Bluetooth compatibility. For hands-free and remote control operation, install the optional VS3 Bluetooth headset and UT133 Bluetooth unit. Wirelessly control the radio with three programmable buttons plus a push-to-talk button. Make sure you visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on the IC2730A dual bander and other great ICOM amateur radio rigs. Let's uh, talk about a couple of more things here before we get away. You know... Tommy, we did that show, oh, what was the name of that thing we did at the end of November? Ham College, you know, we we had such good response from the viewers on that that we decided to do it. You yeah, know, we, had, we had a lot of views for it to be a pilot and uh, had pretty much all all positive feedback mm -hmm. from it, so we decided to continue on. So yeah, doing one of those well, a couple here. more weeks or so, we'll be doing a, uh, another Ham College. We're planning on doing those at the end of each month. Uh, just, you know, follow us on all the usual social media places and the website, and you'll learn when we're going to be doing the next one. But uh, Ham College, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that, Tom. We probably won't have any wine on that. No, we won't have any wine on that. That's a strictly a beer show there. <laughs> no, not really. I hear my neighbor's dog out there. Do you hear that, Peter? Yeah, I do, and the chat room did as well, by the way. Where's the BB gun? Yeah, it's right over there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not sure going to shoot any dogs with sure a BB gun. Sure, it's not a squirrel? No, it's not a squirrel. They don't sound like that. Do they, Tommy? No, all the squirrels are at my house. Yeah. <laughs> well, go to amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com and get your Amateur Logic swag. There's, there's a pretty big sale coming up, and I I don't post those uh, sale codes very often because I don't yeah. I think it's, we're just pushing T-shirts or whatever. But if there's a really good one that comes up, I usually... Put that on on Facebook and uh, and Google Plus. So anyway, watch there. There's one coming up here in the next week or so. Yeah, it's uh, what is it? I think it's fifteen percent. Fifteen percent. Yeah, so a pretty good break there. Yeah. Let's see what else we have on the list here. Well, we just told you about that D Star net. Dave's going to be bringing us on Reflector 14 Module C here shortly. Well, we got a few minutes left. Um, you know. Why don't we talk to the chat room just for a yeah, few minutes yeah, here before we close the show on yeah. out? Hello? Was that you talking any, to them, Peter? I was going to say, um, if, yeah, if the chat room's got any questions, uh, shoot away. I can hear the dogs in the backyard. Yes, I can hear them too. Let the dogs in or out. No, it's not my dog. George, is that beagle barking in the background? That was from Mike. No, it's not my beagle. It's not my dog's mic. Um, my neighbor got a dog over here. Yeah. Now, VA3TWT, Gord, says this show is definitely worth the price of admission. <laughs> if he's VA3TWT, does he does that make him a Canadian Leo or a Canadian twit? <laughs> it kind of does, doesn't it? Dave NT9E said, I think i hear pink floored animals playing in the background you know that's exactly what the dog sounds like oh, on, yeah. on that album uh -huh. yeah mm. sure is blooper material no doubt yeah, we always have that yes we we might have a hernia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not <man>. always <laughs> but uh yeah after that um 
name of the shirt link. It's amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com. Spreadshirt.com. Mm -hmm. We don't really make... Don't we have a lower third? We do have a lower third on that. Uh, you know, we, we don't really make anything off this, maybe a buck or two, but... You know, we just mainly got them there because uh, people were asking for them. Yeah, it basically kind of keeps itself up. You, When you buy the shirts, the couple of bucks we make off of it goes back to pay for the store for next year. Yeah, we, we actually pay for uh, to, to have Spreadshirt do this for us. So people wanted shirts, so we got shirts. Yeah, but I appreciate you guys uh, getting them and uh, hope to see some more of them at Dayton this year. Yes, and uh, Dave, NT90, says... Spreadshirt instead of sweatshirt. Yes, did we, I do, say, have, we did, do have sweatshirts on there, though. Yeah, did I say sweatshirt? I don't think so. But uh, it's no telling. Well, it's no telling what I'm gonna say, judging by what I mm. said a few minutes ago. What about Capital City Ham Fest? That's from Arnie. You know, the guy who was on with us. Yeah. Uh, recently. Yeah. Yeah, with the 7100. Uh, yeah. Remote rig. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to be there, Arnie. I hope to see you there. And that is gone. I can't see the calendar from here, Tommy. Yes, if you're in the Jackson, Mississippi area or the Deep South, come on over to the Jackson Amateur Radio Club's Capital City Ham Fest. It's going to be... I believe it's the 24th of January. I was thinking 23rd, so one of us is it's wrong. It's the 23rd and the 24th. We're both right. 23rd and the 24th here in Jackson, Mississippi at the Mississippi Trademark. You know, it's really... Um, Probably one of the better ham fests here in the Deep South. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice little ham fest. It seems to get better every year. Yeah, and unlike uh, a lot of the ham fests I went to this past year, they there are new dealers there, um, a number of them. There's not a lot of manufacturers there, but there is a, a good bit of boneyard type stuff and, the and good swap stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's the fun you know, stuff. You, the boxes under the tables, you know, yeah. full of old junk. Uh, I know Peter knows what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, uh, Tommy, you're working in Dallas, I believe, for a little while. Um, are there any major hand fests in Dallas that you're aware of? There's one coming up. <laughs> the name of it kind of slipped in my mind at the moment, but I believe it's in the spring. And mm -hmm. I, I'm... A, Actually, planning on staying over the weekend and attending that one. Um, That'd be great. I, I, I yeah. actually need to look it up and, and get the name and, yeah, and mark the date on my take calendar. Take camera with you. Yeah, definitely yeah. will. I noticed Arnie said here, I prefer badges. Yeah, you know, Arnie was the first one that uh, got one of those badges that said, I'm a fan of AmateurLogic.tv. Yeah. And he got that from the sign man who's going to be at the Capital City Ham Fest. Yeah, he sure did. He actually paid, paid for that one out of his own pocket. Well, he did, made, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Mike says, been there, done that, got the sweatshirt. Yes, you did, Mike. We still owe Mike one um, after last month's show. Yeah, that's you know. pretty classic stuff he came up with. Yeah, that really was, yeah. And him getting Ray to sing like that. that was, yeah. I didn't know Ray had it in. You know, it just still it didn't sound like Ray to me, Tommy. Pretty, that's, I don't know, it was magical. Uh, let's see. Daryl uh, K5DLQ says, would love to see a segment on broadband ham net. What about that, Tommy? Yeah. You know, over there in Dallas, there might actually be some activity with that. Yeah, I, I've been looking at looking into that, and uh, I actually bought the uh, the antenna, the, the little Wi-Fi dongle with the antenna jack on it for my Raspberry Pi mm -hmm. and stuff. So I, I plan on doing something on that soon. I've, I've kind of got the stuff. I just need to sit down and do it. That might be something I can take to Dallas and work on in the hotel room. Yeah, and... Uh Fran KM1Z said, how far is it from Nashville? I assume he's talking about the Jackson Ham Fest. About eight hours? Oh, no, it's more like six hours. Six hours. I'm actually going to be going to Nashville next weekend. Uh, one of my daughters wants to go to a concert up there, so we're going to yeah. take a family trip and go to Nashville if it doesn't snow and ice us out. Cool. Well, that'll probably be all right. Yeah, probably will. Sounds be. like fun. Yeah. Uh, let's see, one more here from KI4TTZ. He says, a behind-the-scenes setup tour would be fun to watch. And we've given you a little behind-the-scenes tonight. Yeah, and we did, we did one of those a while back. Well, uh, I probably forget. time to do another one. Yeah, it's changed yeah. a little bit. Maybe we'll do that sometime here soon. Yeah. Yeah, I did my, I did my setup a few episodes ago, and I actually uh -huh. showed you how I put together 
my end of the uh, the program. So, yeah, it could be good. Yeah, and uh, Guy KC5GOI said, are they saying Dallas or Dallas? Dallas, Texas. Dallas. Where the Cowboys are. D-A-L-L-A-S. Yep. Home of J.R. Yeah. J.R. Ewing. I've got a little deal at work I've been doing. I I go out there on Monday every week and come back on Thursday night. Yeah, Guy says they have a broadband hamnet in Denton, Colorado. Still in the early Mm -hmm. stages, but we're doing it. Well, congratulations. We'll be looking to hear more about that because we don't know much about that yet. No, I've I've read up on it a little bit. I just need to download the images and stuff and and kind of play around with it. I've got the antennas. we have a broadband network that extends from Geelong. Uh, this is just home enthusiasts that have linked into each other um, and made a 10.10.10 type of network. Um, and uh, they're using 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi antennas and off-the-shelf equipment. And that extends from Geelong, which is about 100 miles away, right across to the other side of Melbourne. And uh, But I have to say that um, apart from a few uh, hard drives, it's really not a lot on it. It doesn't, to my way of thinking, doesn't get a lot of use. But it is pretty fast. It'll do up to, say, 400K or 500K per second or kilobytes per second, oh, which is pretty good. That is pretty fast. Yeah, Gore, ZA3TWT, wants to know, has there ever been a segment on using a TV dongle for an SDR? I bet you can answer that, can't you, Peter? Oh, yeah, we did one. Uh, in fact, I did one. Uh, it was, uh, oh, gosh, don't know which episode. But if you go back, you'll actually see um, that, uh, yeah, for VHF and UHF reception, uh, you can buy a $20 uh, SDR dongle and using a program called, uh, I think, SDR Sharp, you can actually, uh, you know, uh, tune, tune across and uh, receive a whole lot of um, uh, uh stations that are transmitting and it'll you can vary the bandwidth it's quite a uh, a flexible package let's see uh steve kb9 fqj says georgia studio has changed so much since last walkthrough episode yeah it's changed a pretty good bit Mm -hmm. uh we've you know it's fuller yeah last time we we did one of these we weren't streaming at that point so that changed things a little bit yeah it is fuller in here um there's still room to walk around. Some of this stuff is actually going to go out of here. It really doesn't need to be in here. I'm going to get rid of it. But, um, yeah, it we'll, has we'll do, we'll do one. Yeah. We'll do one soon. That'd, that'd be good. Yeah. What Steve was talking about here, he says new desk, uh, more mice, green, yeah, green, green. Yeah, we got a serious mouse problem here. Yeah, we do. Pretty serious. And that's we had three here on the desk. All three of those are used as part of the production here, and uh, Tommy doesn't have one on that Mac over there, so that could make four. And there's a couple more sitting up here on other computers, but yeah, it's, it really is starting to... So you've got an infestation an here. infestation, yeah. Going to have to have the exterminator. Well, we appreciate you all joining us tonight for the show live. It looks like we had a number of you in there. Of course... You know, we mainly target the uh, edited broadcast, which will be coming out here in just a few days. And, uh, boy, you live guys, you're brave. We appreciate you hanging yeah, with us. This is a little rough around the edges, if I say <laughs> yeah, so myself. <laughs> yep. you liable to get wine spilled on you around here, anything. That or Tommy might crack a dirty joke. <laughs> a bad and not, joke. Yeah, and not realize it. <clears throat> but... Uh, <laughs> Okay. All right. We'll see you next time. force and no you don't do you no you haven't sent it to me yet <laughs> i sent it again it got blocked again www.radioshackcatalogs.com slash catalog directory underscore directory html
Oops. <laughs> what was that address again, Tommy? <laughs> How, why don't I just read the email from the start? And we've got the link to it right here. There is the link. <laughs> let's turn. Let's turn it off. Okay. And this will bring it back. This That'll will bring, bring it back. back. Okay. Yep. Just move your finger. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an email. <laughs> yep. There they are, right there. Well, there went the rest of my wine.